0: You are listening to Radio 1190's News Underground. My name is Clara Gagan and I will be your host tonight. Uh, joining us tonight is uh, William Arndt. He is a Boulder native, a previous CU alum, a retiree, a campus tour guide, and a history buff. On tonight's program, we are looking at the University Memorial Center a building on Boulder's central campus which has been and remains a hub of student activity, hosting numerous student programs, the university's bookstore, restaurants, and study lounges. But our focus tonight on Veterans Day is the UMC's origin and the veterans that the building remembers and honors. William, do you mind introducing yourself?
1: I'm William Arndt. Uh, I was born in Boulder. I'm a rare Boulder native and I went to Boulder High and graduated from Boulder High in Mackey, and then attended CU in the late 60s, moved away for 16 years, and when I moved home uh, 33 years ago, I got a job with the campus architect uh, and became kind of the history buff in that office, giving campus tours and doing research on the history. My mother and father and grandmother all worked at CU Uh, my grandmother started in the kitchen at Baker in 1942 until 1956, so she was there during the war years. And if we're talking about the military, she was there when the Navy more or less took over Baker, so all the boys that she, uh, knew there, and they were were all men, I think. I don't think there were any women in the Navy in Boulder in those days. knew her, and and so there was a a bunch of guys that were here for a long time that were not actually CU students, but I think the Alumni Association has come up with some sort of way of allowing them to be considered alums. My mother was uh, taking some classes in the 40s, and she tells me about going to class on the Quadrangle by Old Main, and if you didn't get to class by eight o'clock they played the national anthem on loudspeakers on campus outside and you had to stand still not just military but everybody and so she said if you were late you were screwed you had to wait until that was over so um that's my history with cu it's a pretty pretty deep connection
0: and so we are talking about um, the memorial side of the University Memorial Center. So mm-hmm. as I understand it, the UMC was originally built to commemorate uh, soldiers and alumni who died in World War One and World War Two. is that correct?
1: Well, yes, the uh, University Memorial Center, this building that we're in, was actually uh, dedicated as a memorial to all Coloradans who served in the military during any of the wars, uh, not just CU students. This is a common misunderstanding. Uh, I think it's on a plaque somewhere. It says, to all who served, something like that. So it's, it's for the entire state, and it was still very much part of life in 1953 when it, when it opened.
0: And prior to its opening, the UMC was funded by a statewide fundraiser. Is that correct? It wasn't just yes. a CU thing?
1: No, It was. I don't think there was any taxpayer money in it at all. Uh, it, it would have gone through the normal bureaucracy because the architect was the same architect who did all the other buildings of that era, uh, Farrand and Libby and... Uh, of the music building and some of those but it was it was a a fundraising uh, statewide i I talked to one of the people at the umc uh, several years ago and said well how did this start and they said well there was a a tv newsman and broadcaster in denver and klz which was the old uh, cbs affiliate uh, channel 7 and and KLZ radio is that his name was Bob boots. Well, I fell on the floor because Bob boots was married to my mother's cousin and he was at all of the family Thanksgiving and Christmas things. And all this time, I never knew that he was part of that, but it made sense. So the money was raised. Now, I, I do need to say that this was not the first monument to uh, uh, veterans in 1928, uh, 10 years after World War One, the Memorial Student Union was dedicated on the west side of campus. It's now the economics building, and it had a ballroom on the top floor and lounges and student offices, and on the lower level, there was a grill, which was rather curiously in kind of an Art Deco style, unlike The rest of the buildings on the outside, which are very Italian looking. But I remember being in that building. And when this building was was built in 1953, that building became the business school until the business building was built in 69, I think. And then the economics building was, the economics department moved into it.
0: And as I understand it, if you go into what is now the Economics Building, there is an Mm -hmm. alcove that has a whole list of names. Who's named?
1: The northwest corner of that building has a little vestibule. Well, first of all, on the outside of the building facing Broadway, there are two doors, kind of equal importance. And over here, I'm doing diagrams in the air on the radio. But there are two doors with arches over them and engraved in stone. One of them says memoria and the other says fides, so it's memory and fidelity. And the one on the northwest corner, unlike the rest of the building, which is pretty plain, has marble walls with these uh, names etched into the wall. And it says something like, in memory of those who served. I believe those are all CU students or alum who died in in World War I, but not just from Colorado because one panel says Utah, another says Wyoming, and that is still there and it's kind of a fun little thing to, to stumble on.
0: So this would not be a complete um, interview when we're talking about veterans at CU if we did not talk about Glenn Miller, who is a famous CU alum, um, and there is a ballroom at at the UMC specifically dedicated to him. So do you mind explaining who is Glenn Miller and why his story is included in the university's Memorial to Veterans?
1: Well, Glenn Miller was a band leader in the big band era, very, very popular, uh, late 30s, And it extended through the war and was still kind of lingering on into the 50s and 60s. When I was a kid, we would still go to the Trocadero Ballroom at Elitch's and listen to big bands and people would be out on the floor dancing. So his name was very well known at the time. He attended CU, but he did not graduate. In fact, he, he failed a class in, in music composition, I believe, but he started uh, playing in local bands. Uh, there was a ballroom downtown upstairs at the Citizens Bank, which, for those of you who know Boulder, is the building with columns right across the street from the Starbucks on the Pearl Street Mall. There was a ballroom on the top floor, and a lot of the CU dances were held up there. There was also a ballroom on the top floor of the Dugout Cleaners, which is now a sub shop on 13th and uh, Pleasant for half-assed subs.
0: I know exactly what that is, yeah. And
1: so he would play in those bands, and then he got an offer to go to Hollywood and started playing with some big bands, and the rest is history. He was involved with Benny Goodman and... uh, Um, a lot of the the big names and he very quickly developed a band of his own which just zoomed to the top. His band uh, recorded a song called Chattanooga Choo and we all know today about Gold Records. I think we do. You know I'm a boomer so I remember records and and the music, the record industry wanted to come up with a way of honoring best selling records, and someone said, Well, why don't we issue a record, a commemorative record in gold? And the very first gold record presented to anybody was Glenn Miller's Choo and that record, by the way, is now on exhibit at the Heritage Center in Old Maine. so he was a huge name. He was uh, about he was pushing forty, but he nevertheless enlisted. I should go back and say that his wife, Helen Berger, was a Boulder native, and they met when they were at CU. So that was his connection to Boulder that lasted long after his his time uh, attending classes here. He would come back to see his mother-in-law and the family and so on, and always had a very strong connection with Colorado. So he was, uh, he volunteered to go into the military, and in those days, movie stars and people that had other things to offer, would go in the military and were given jobs that really suited them. And he was put in charge of uh, bands and music programs uh, in in Europe, uh, mostly based in England. And he organized, oh, I think there were five bands. There was a jazz band, a swing band, a, a military band. And, and, and he was in charge of all that, extremely popular on the radio And in 1944, at this time of the year, around Christmas, he was going to go in advance of his uh, bandmates to Paris to set up for a concert in Paris. Christmas of 1944 was just after the liberation of Paris, so it was a big deal. And he took off with, I don't remember how many people, three or four at a small plane over the English Channel, and has not been heard of since. So it was a, a nationwide tragedy, stunning tragedy. He was only 44 years old, and who knows where he would have gone from then. He was, I don't know who today you would say is is that level of of fame. So uh, because of the connection with the war hero, NCU and the music, it was kind of a done deal from the start that the ballroom would be named for Glenn Miller.
0: That is really interesting. I didn't realize the end of Glenn Miller's story. Um,
1: Oh, and and I should add that 10 years after his death, there was a major, I mean, a big Hollywood movie about his life starring Jimmy Stewart, who actually kind of looked like him, and June Allison, and Helen Berger, Helen Berger Miller, said, no, You can't film this movie at UCLA UCLA and tell everyone it's CU Boulder. So she insisted that they film scenes uh, on location in Boulder. And the the most notable, most memorable scene is uh, the two of them walking across the Varsity Lake Bridge towards Old Main with Glee Club in the background, singing Little Brown Jug. And there are also scenes at a mansion in Denver that was done up to look like a country house in england during the war and scenes that were supposed to be in in britain with the marching bands at a military base and a huge hangar were filmed at the hangar at lowry air force base which is now the wings over the rockies museum so they took advantage of all these colorado locations and then they went back to hollywood and finished it off there so that that was a big deal and Helen Berger. I keep saying Helen Helenberger, Helen Miller, was here for the dedication of, of this building in 1953.
0: So I want to go to a quote pulled from a 1947 dedication of a plaque that was given to Colorado by Wyoming during a football game. And it describes what CU looked like uh, during World War II, I believe. Mm-hmm. It says, you will recall the state of upheaval when suddenly hundreds of men in naval uniforms appeared when this beautiful campus was changed overnight. And this would have been around the same era that, was it your grandmother? Yes. Your grandmother Uh was uh, working in Baker. So what did the campus look like during the war?
1: Well, uh, the old part of the campus, the Dorland Quadrangle, would be completely recognizable. Uh, The Norland Library at the East End had been dedicated in 1940, and Old Main was there, Woodbury, Hale, uh, the the Women's Cottage, uh, Guggenheim. The the theater building had been converted into a theater. When the library moved, it was the library before that. So it looked pretty much the same, and it came up to Broadway and Hellams and... uh, the geology building which is now the museum studies building or something like that and the museum Henderson Museum and where the UMC is today was a uh, large field that was a football field prior to the dedication of Norlin I'm sorry Folsom Field Folsom Stadium so uh, the campus did not go much beyond 18th Street, the powerhouse. Uh, Baker was built in 1936, and the men's gym. But that was pretty much the end of campus. And most students did live in the dormitories. And all of the other student housing was pretty much on the hill, up you know, above 13th Street and with the, the hill shopping district. There was nothing, well, nothing. There were farms and ranches east of 28th Street, but not much. And the Boulder Denver Turnpike didn't open until 1951. So, in 1942, to come from Denver, you would have to go through um, Broomfield and Highway 287 and in on Arapaho. So, it was a very tired i say, let's say sleepy college town and very much transformed by the military. And they also needed, well, okay, that, w- that was then. I was gonna jump a little, f- a little f- later after the war when the GI Bill was passed, allowing people t- to come and go to school on the government's dime. And there was suddenly, there was no place to put these people. So that's when Vetsville was created at 24th and Arapaho. 24th is now Folsom. It's where Newton Court housing is. And they were Quonset huts, those curved military buildings that were army surplus. They could be disassembled and moved all over the place. They threw up dozens of those for family housing because prior to that, It was very rare for young people to be in college and married but after the war it was very very common for soldiers a little bit older with wives and children so that was a huge impact and it was also kind of pushing into more of the town and the university suddenly realized they needed more dormitories so that's when Farrand was built in 48, and Cheyenne Arapahoe and Libby and Hallett and Aiden Brackett-Cockerell, Reed, all of those. So the campus just boomed into the uh, eastern edge.
0: And was that related to the the increase in students following the GI Bill?
1: Yes, yes, uh largely, plus uh, President Stearns, Thought that it was time for the university to kind of step into a, 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 go into another level, and he started to advocate for the sciences, coming because before that he was just a little, arts and sciences liberal arts school, they had good theater, they had good history and stuff, but that's when the city of Boulder started to attract some high tech like uh, Ball Brothers Research and uh, beach aircraft and the national bureau of standards which is now nist on south broadway which opened in 1953 the same year as this building bringing in all these scientific people and there was also kind of related to the war a lot of the people who had been involved in the project to build the a-bomb in uh, New Mexico, because of the proximity, came up to Boulder. So we had a lot of people in the physics department who had been in Los Alamos. So suddenly it changed to a very science-oriented school. So it was it was a big change.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the war had a bigger impact than I think yes. I realized, certainly, mm-hmm. on on the UMC. Not just the UMC, on campus in general. But how do you think, what was sort of the importance of dedicating a specific building to commemorate people in Colorado?
1: Well, uh, there's, you know, a long history of commemoration of the war dead. Uh, Have you been to Gettysburg?
0: I did once when I was very...
1: Yes, Gettysburg is incredibly moving, and in and then there's monuments everywhere of different kinds of war memorials in the 19th century what they would often try to do is come up with one sort of uh, generic figure of a soldier that was kind of intended to be every soldier so they're sort of plain kind of race neutral Certainly no women, but you see these statues all around the country. And there's a couple down in front of the Boulder Courthouse that I think they're uh, civil war monuments. And there were companies that would build these and sell them to small communities. So you drive through little towns in Nebraska in front of the courthouse, and there's the same statue that you had um, in front of the courthouse in Boulder. So it was not unusual to want to commemorate the war. It was, you know, it was a huge, huge thing in the country. And I'm not surprised that it was so easy to to raise this money. Uh, Moving ahead many decades, it was really the Vietnam War and the Vietnam Memorial, the first time that they tried to put all the names. And that's kind of the thing they're doing now. The Korean Memorial in War Memorial in D.C. has all the names, and they tried to get all the names on the uh, World War II Memorial near the Washington Monument. So that's kind of a different way to look at it instead of one symbol of everyone to try to remember each person. But it was, yeah, it it was important in those days. It really wasn't until the Vietnam era and the 60s when the military was sadly um, kind of, I was going to say, went out of fashion, but soldiers were maligned. And looking back, it was so terribly wrong because it wasn't the soldiers that were responsible for the fiasco in Vietnam. It was... The the administration, the government, the politicians, and yet uh, there were times when a a color guard would be booed. Uh, But during all this time, I don't remember any particular reaction to the UMC. No one said, get rid of the uh, Veterans Lounge or get rid of the bell from the USS colorado it was it was always just kind of a constant and i have another story that i it's one of my favorite stories that i, I hope you don't mind my taking the opportunity to share it every no time. not at all please do if people have been to student unions across the country and that's something i love to do I, I go to a big campus stanford or washington and i go to the bookstore and then i go to the student union for lunch People have often asked, why isn't there, and was there ever a barber shop in the UMC? The answer is no, and there's a reason. When the planning started for the building in 47, I think the first plans were probably made public by 1950 or so, a group of barbers from the city of Boulder came to campus, met probably with the president, and said, we are very upset that you're putting a barbershop on campus for the students, which would have again would have been the men. Uh, it will it will hurt our business. Downtown, there were probably a dozen little neighborhood barbershops. They said we we really object to that. And the story that I've heard is that the president of the university said, Let's let me get back to you and when he did, he said, let's make a deal we will not put a barbershop in the UMC if every one of you will sign an agreement that you will not refuse to cut the hair of men of color. And that's why, and they they stuck to that. And that's why there's not a barbershop in the UMC. So it's an interesting uh, racial thing that I only learned this 10 years ago.
0: That is really interesting. Do you know what? president that was under?
1: I think it was Stearns. I'm sorry to say I get them a little mixed up.
0: No, that's completely (laughs) fine. And that's also interesting because at the time, Colorado had a very strong presence of the KKK.
1: Well, not really. The KKK was in the 20s. Okay. And it was, it it was, it kind of came and went very quickly. A lot of people, including politicians, joined and after a very little while realized it was not for them. But the curious thing about the KKK in Colorado, in Denver, Denver being Denver, their main target was not African Americans. Their main target were Catholics and Jews and Italians who were Catholic. And one of the big events of the Clan era in the 20s was when St. Anne's Catholic Church in Arvada was surrounded by Klansmen with torches. And they were going to burn it down. And church members were huddled inside the siege of St. Anne's, and it finally dissipated and they went away. But as soon as the head of the Klan in Colorado left or went to jail or something, it kind of went away. So there really was That was not anything that I remember in my childhood. Also, the governor of Colorado, um, whose name I cannot think of right now, during World War II, when Roosevelt ordered the internment camps for the Japanese Americans, Ralph Carr, Ralph Carr, no one wanted them, and Ralph Carr, said, send them to Colorado. This is not right. Send them to Colorado. And he authorized Camp Amache in southeast Colorado. And he is to this day considered something of a hero to the Japanese-American community for standing up for that and is the only non-Asian who has a statue in Sakura Square in Denver. So uh, Boulder was then a little more liberal than the rest of the state
0: a little bit ahead
1: a little bit ahead a little i bit ahead. i like to think so
0: we're just going to wrap up but as a reminder this is about the memorial um part of the university mm-hmm. memorial center and the impacts that world war 1 and world war 2 had on the architecture of campus but then also uh the growth of the sciences at cu mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: You're most welcome. I really enjoyed it.
0: That was uh, News Underground at Radio 1190. Thanks for listening.